This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Defendant by G. K. Chesterton Chapter 11 A Defense of Heraldry The modern view of heraldry is pretty accurately represented by the words of the famous barrister who, after cross-examining for some time a venerable dignitary of Herald's College, summed up his results in the remark that the silly old man didn't even understand his own silly old trade. Heraldry, properly so-called, was, of course, a wholly limited and aristocratic thing, but the remark needs a kind of qualification not commonly realized. In a sense, there was a plebeian heraldry, since every shop was, like every castle, distinguished not by a name but by a sign. The whole system dates from a time when picture-writing still really ruled the world. In those days few could read or write. They signed their names with a pictorial symbol, a cross, and a cross is a great improvement on most men's names. Now there is something to be said for the peculiar influence of pictorial symbols on men's minds. All letters, we learn, were originally pictorial and heraldic. Thus the letter A is the portrait of an ox, but the portrait is now reproduced in so impressionistic a manner that but little of the rural atmosphere can be absorbed by contemplating it. But as long as some pictorial and poetic quality remains in the symbol, the constant use of it must do something for the aesthetic education of those employing it. Public houses are now almost the only shops that use the ancient signs, and the mysterious attraction which they exercise may be, by the optimistic, explained in this manner. They are taverns with names so dreamlike and exquisite that even Sir Wilfrid Lawson might waver on the threshold for a moment, suffering the poet to struggle with the moralist. So it was with the heraldic images. It is impossible to believe that the Red Lion of Scotland acted upon those employing it merely as a naked convenience, like a number or a letter. It is impossible to believe that the kings of Scotland would have cheerfully accepted the substitute of a pig or a frog. There are, as we say, certain real advantages in pictorial symbols, and one of them is that everything that is pictorial suggests, without naming or defining. There is a road from the eye to the heart that does not go through the intellect. Men do not quarrel about the meaning of sunsets. They never dispute that the hawthorn says the best and wittiest thing about the spring. Thus in the old aristocratic days there existed this vast pictorial symbolism of all the colors and degrees of aristocracy. When the great trumpet of equality was blown, almost immediately afterwards was made one of the greatest blunders in the history of mankind. For all this pride and vivacity, all these towering symbols and flamboyant colors should have been extended to mankind. The tobacconist should have had a crest and the cheesemonger a war cry. The grocer who sold margarine as butter should have felt that there was a stain on the estation of the Higginses. Instead of doing this, 
the democrats made the appalling mistake a mistake at the root of the whole modern malady of decreasing the human magnificence of the past instead of increasing it they did not say as they should have done to the commoner citizen you are as good as the duke of norfolk but use that meaner democratic formula the duke of norfolk is no better than you are for it cannot be denied that the world lost something finally and most unfortunately about the beginning of the nineteenth century in former times the mass of the people was conceived as mean and commonplace but only as comparatively mean and commonplace they were dwarfed and eclipsed by certain high stations and splendid callings but with the victorian era came a principle which conceived men not as comparatively but as positively mean and commonplace a man of any station was represented as being by nature a dingy and trivial person a person born as it were in a black hat it began to be thought that it was ridiculous for a man to wear beautiful garments instead of it being as of course it is ridiculous for him to deliberately wear ugly ones it was considered affected for a man to speak bold and heroic words whereas of course it is emotional speech which is natural and ordinary and civil speech which is affected the whole relations of beauty and ugliness of dignity and ignominy were turned upside down beauty became an extravagance as if top hats and umbrellas were not the real extravagance a landscape from the land of the goblins dignity became a form of foolery and shamelessness as if the very essence of a fool were not a lack of dignity and the consequence is that it is practically most difficult to propose any decoration or public dignity for modern men without making them laugh they laugh at the idea of carrying crests and coats of arms instead of laughing at their own boots and neckties we are forbidden to say that tradesmen should have a poetry of their own though there is nothing so poetical as trade a grocer should have a coat of arms worthy of his strange merchandise gathered from distant and fantastic lands a postman should have a coat of arms capable of expressing the strange honor and responsibility of the man who carries men's souls in a bag the chemist should have a coat of arms symbolizing something of the mysteries of the house of healing the cavern of a merciful witchcraft there were in the french revolution a class of people at whom everyone laughed and at whom it was probably difficult as a practical matter to refrain from laughing they attempted to erect by means of huge wooden statues the brand new festivals the most extraordinary new religions they adored the goddess of reason who would appear even when the fullest allowance had been made for their many virtues to be the deity who had least smiled upon them but these capering maniacs disowned alike by the old world and the new were men who had seen a great truth unknown alike to the new world and the old they had seen the thing that was hidden from the wise and understanding from the whole modern democratic civilization down to the present time they realized that democracy must have a heraldry that it must have a proud and high-colored pageantry if it is to keep always before its own mind its own sublime mission unfortunately for this ideal the world has in the matter followed english democracy rather than french and those who look back to the nineteenth century 
will assuredly look back to it as we look back to the reign of the Puritans, as the time of black coats and black tempers. From the strange life the men of that time led, they might be assisting at a funeral of liberty instead of at its christening. The moment we really believe in democracy, we will begin to blossom, as aristocracy blossomed, into symbolic colors and shapes. We shall never make anything of democracy until we make fools of ourselves. For if a man really cannot make a fool of himself, we may be quite certain that the effort is superfluous. End of chapter 11